Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 642. You only get out what you put in. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, all the way from the UK, Joel Clark. Joel, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Uh, I always am, Mark. Always am. Thank you. Great to have you here. Joel Clark is an automotive artist who has had a career in the creative field since graduating from Central St. Martins in 1996. In the depths of the last recession, he picked up a paintbrush and he started creating. He works in a medium combining hand-cut vinyl graphics in a collage form creating sculptures. His mix of bold graphic colors result in a handcrafted look creating a hyper-realism pop art style that transforms real objects, including sometimes vehicle parts, into pieces that become surreal. His art invites the viewer to create their own narrative, such as where is the car and what is it doing there? So this is all very interesting and intriguing to me, and we're going to learn a lot more about you as we go through the questions show. As I've told our listeners just a little bit, take a moment and share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles. Okay, thanks, Mark. My passion for anything with an engine and wheels goes back since I was nigh on born, I was um, brought up with my father and uncles who are both into bikes and cars and trucks and anything. So I was also fortunate enough that as soon as I could appreciate good cars, my dad always had not expensive cars, but just interesting cars. So I'm born and bred with that. Um, in terms of my background and how I sort of arrived at becoming an artist I have drawn pictures of cars and trucks since I could draw so three four years old then throughout school and college I was always going to do something artistic um, didn't quite know what that was ended up doing six years at art college ended up going into advertising as a creative and that's kind of eventually where my style kind of came from because it's as as an art director 
and sort of working in design, you sort of apply those techniques to the looseness of art. And it's also helped with the idea of self-promotion as an artist, as I'm trying to sort of fast track this launch of this career, as it were. Uh, so, that, yeah, there's, there's quite a few skills I've learned. And obviously that passion sort of got me to the position where I dared sort of go full-time artist. So There you go. Very cool. Well, uh, I'm excited that I have you as my guest here today. I love having artists on the show. I've had dozens and dozens of really creative people on the show. So we're going to learn a lot more about your style and technique of where you're taking your career right now. But as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. And it's a really nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So Joel, take the wheel. Sure. There's one, I have a very strong work ethic. And this has been influenced by peers and people I've admired. And that is, it's, it's one of the oldest in the book, but it is, you only get out what you put in. <laughs> and yes. to me, it's a very important role when you are self-employed and you don't necessarily have deadlines anymore. No one's ever in a rush to get a picture done or a piece of art done. So that's a good excuse to slack off. But... As I said, I'm trying to sort of fast track this and get a name as quickly as possible. And so I'm only going to get out what I put in. So I put in as much effort as I can. But it is sort of, I mean, it's not effort because it's doing art. So it's, it's, it's a dream. So sure. it's a sort of, it, it, it's, it's a kind of an odd challenge each day to actually make sure you get up and do stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's this slight fear that if I'm not actually making a piece of art, I feel like I'm not quite working. Even though I'm doing self-PR or nowadays, you know, everything, doing my Instagram accounts and Twitter accounts and trying people. But at the end of the day, if I can say, yep, I've worked from then, I take that box, tick that box and tick that box. And I can go home feeling like, well... I should deserve it if if and when it sort of all takes off. You know, this is a pretty common challenge for entrepreneurs and business owners because you have so much to do and so many things to accomplish. And sometimes you're doing things, if you're in the field you love, like all of us are here at Cars, yeah, it doesn't feel like work sometimes. So sometimes you can feel a little bit guilty going, well, that didn't feel like I was working hard, but I was accomplishing something. But I I think you hit on a few takeaways here. One is, uh, creating a list of to-do things, things that I've got to accomplish today. That's a big piece because when you have so much to do in your life and in your career, and it, it can become overwhelming. So creating that checkoff box, as you mentioned, I think is a good start. Absolutely. But strong worth, work ethic, persistence, perseverance, that's a common thread through all of us entrepreneurs. Absolutely. Let's go back in time. You talked about growing up with uh, dad and uncles and around cars and being fascinated with automobiles could you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars if you look back in time is there a pivotal moment when you realized oh my gosh i'm a car guy well when i sort of went through the questions it was quite hard to just pick that pivotal moment right because as i said it seems to have always been there but um 
Back in the uh, mid-70s to early 80s, my father was a long-distance lorry driver who would leave the UK and travel all of Europe. Back in those days, it was a fairly... It wasn't a very... Uh, it was a fairly rare job. There weren't a lot of people sort of doing that. So it was quite pioneering to some extent. And as a kid... Growing up, I mean, I first went in the truck across to Spain at well, months old. I mean, there's pictures of me with my mum sort of sat on, on the bunk in the truck just as a little baby. Uh-huh. So that's that's how far it goes back. <laughs> wow. And so I just, I just have memories of um, being on the road in these completely different lands and sort of you know, places like Spain back then were sort of, I mean, it was it was like going in, in, into like the Midwest. It was just desert, deserts and desolate. And coming from a, a little country like the UK, uh-huh. what, what memories I sort of the rare little memories I pick out. It was such a different world, and it was all made possible by being on the road, right? And and, and my dad driving for a, for a living. So that's why it's always been there, and and that passion sort of manifested itself in. My dad would always remind me of, um, I, I, I could spot trucks from on the horizon and pretty much make out that's a DAF 2300 20, or that's a Scania <laughs> 141. And, yeah. <laughs> but also what was very interesting during was I had as much interest in the colors of them, the designs of them. And obviously trucks, you know, they've, there's a chance there to have big designs on the trailers and on the cabs and sort of different uh, paint jobs. So that obviously subtly took right. effect. So, um, yeah, since then it was just this sort of love of trucks and cars predominantly. You know what's interesting here is I've heard from many guests, when they were very little, they could spot cars by their taillights, their headlights, their design. You're the first one that's truck-related, of course, being in those lorries, those trucks. Uh, traveling around what a wonderful opportunity to just experience so many different things from a different age uh must have been absolutely fantastic uh, yeah it was it was well joel what i want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down sounds like you've driven down a lot of roads but talk more specifically about a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way in your career the most important part of this, of course, is not so much the situation, but how did you overcome it and what did it teach you so that you could move forward? So take us to that painful time, that challenging time, and kind of walk us through it and then tell us what it taught you. No, sure, Mark. There's um, one outstanding uh, difficult period, which led me to, thankfully, where I am today, which is the, the sort of big lesson I'll get to. Mm-hmm. But having spent uh, good 20 plus years in advertising in a career which I thought that's the only thing I can do that's the only thing I like and you become very career focused and sort of want to climb the ladder and win awards and it's very very money focused and I was doing well I'd worked in some of the biggest agencies in the world I'd worked in London Melbourne and Dublin, so I'd move, it, it take me to, um, to to uh, to other countries, but it started to decline, and that's when you sort of mentioned in the introduction with the recession, the worldwide oh. recession. Oh yeah, where I sort of found myself going for slightly lesser 
posi- not position jobs, but slightly creative jobs in not quite so good agencies. And it was a fairly downward spiral of a good three to four years, um, at least, of not kind of getting the message that maybe you should be getting out of this and you're not enjoying it anymore. Right. Anyway, it finally came to a crucial moment where in 2013, uh, I was 39, I was just waiting for what was the next dream advertising job. And after months and months and months of waiting, it didn't come off. I found myself having to move out of London. I uh, had to move back to my grandmother's house. Uh, sold all what bikes I had. And so literally down to nothing. Mm-hmm. And technically homeless, broke, and thinking, what the hell am I going to do? I hate advertising now. And literally that, that, that lowest point of what, and I'd never been what do you do now? I'd, as I said earlier, I'd always known since childhood something artistic, blah, blah, blah. So that was an almighty challenge. Oh, yeah. But, but then, as fate would have it, which is my faith, if you will, this idea of using vinyl came back to me. It had been there since I was 16 when I left school before sort of starting my college career. And had always planned to do something with it because it was a unique medium and so on. But what the hell do I do with it? I dabbled once and twice before. And then, as by chance, the little market town where my grandma lives, they hold a um, hill climb, which had only just been uh, resurrected originally in the 20s. I think it stopped in 26. Mm -hmm. So it had been a long time. And... There was two weeks until it was on, and I spoke to them, and they said, we got one stand left, one spot left. So I said, right, I'll have it. I had my few paintings, which I'd done, which we sort of said earlier. Uh-huh. And I thought, right, let's do some vinyl car pictures. Let's just try it. There's nothing left to lose now. This is sure. my last few hundred pounds left. Book the stand, make a stand, make these pictures, and went and did the show and pretty much sold out. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> and then you think, oh, hello. Hey, yeah, how did that run. happen? <laughs> there's, that's clearly meant to happen. Yeah. And my God, am I actually going to be fortunate enough to actually dare to do my dream? Or, or actually, but not even so much dare, that that dream has sort of just materialized without even sort of, thinking it ever would but forced right. into a corner right and, and and it happened wow so that was a pretty and that's but but ultimately that is why probably is my work ethic is yeah. to appreciate that this dream is also sort of saving my life to some extent yeah you know, it's, it, it's wow. kind of that important to me yeah which is why i cannot slack and let it go i feel so fortunate to, to sort of, it was an odd way to get that opportunity, but uh, when it's shot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know. absolutely. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking us down a very personal road, a very challenging road. Oh, my gosh. I mean, so many people have faced that kind of situation by no fault of their own. Sometimes it is a fault of their own. But in the case of the recession, oh, my gosh, you know, wiped out so many people in so many ways. Oh, it did. It did. 
the really wonderful part of your story, of course, is how it opened another door to you. You stepped through that door and now you are where you are today. So that, that kind of leads me into this next question about aha moments. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit and, and go to the other spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's, it's, it's a time when those headlights come on and kind of illuminate your way. You really alluded to one right there with that aha moment with that hill climb and that little booth at that show in your town. So uh, tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Well, as you say, that was kind of the first initial aha moment, but uh, probably another significant one, which was only maybe about eight months down the line of having sort of known, I'd had enough feedback that this was worth pursuing that I was getting commissions in for people's cars and people liked the fact that no one had ever seen vinyl used in this way and so on. So that was a great foundation for confidence. Um, but then I think my the next big exciting aha moment was when I first decided to order a scrap door off of eBay, just a car door off a of Ford Focus. And I thought, right, I'm going to cover it in vinyl and just see what I, I don't. I have no idea what it's going to look like. I sort of mocked up a little thing in Photoshop. And then I started sticking it on there and sat in the garden. And it was I'd only done just a little bit on the window. And I was like, oh, my God, I think that's I think that's my breakthrough to be a fine artist, if you will, not just associated to just strictly car pictures, mm-hmm. which of course nothing wrong with that, but this just felt like something completely different. Yeah. This was so, th- th- this just ignited my sort of creative bones to just shout, scream out, <laughs> you know, that was, yeah, that, 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 that was true. And, and, and then it's, that, that's what's really made this whole thing flourish and sort of take off the way it has, I think. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a wonderful aha moment in the garden with a car door. <laughs> oh, honestly, it was, it was, I mean, it was, you couldn't write it, but it's... No, uh, you couldn't. I mean, it's like, it sounds so silly, but, uh, but it happened. So, uh, no, it did. It fantastic. Did. Thanks for taking us down that road. Well, how about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many, uh, your career before in creative, uh, in advertising, if you will, and now your career as a fine artist. But is there one moment that stands out for you you'd like to share with us today? Yeah, I'll, um, there's obviously my favorite one is very recently because it's, it, it was a huge moment in, um, in my career as an artist. But it's, it's a similar thing which relates back to advertising briefly. And that is when you first see your work, and especially as I worked in TV ads, and when you first saw your TV, your first TV ad on TV. Oh, yeah. Was like, oh, my God, this is, wow. It's like you, I've not just seen it in the portfolio from college. It's on TV. It's real. So that's, yeah. It's real. That's exactly. So sort of equal to that in my um, work as an artist, was actually funny enough it landed on the day of my birthday back in june <laughs> nice birthday present <laughs> I, it truly was and i was asked to collaborate uh, for the second time with turnbull and Asser, who are a royal appointed um shirt maker and tailors here in london um famously known for uh dressing sean connery and james bond and so oh, okay cool very very cool great 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 brand and um I was asked to do all the artwork 
for the entire show, all the backdrop, the runway backdrop, crash helmet works for all the mannequins to wear for their entire spring-summer 17 show, which was then held in Christie's in London. So that's a pretty amazing place to have oh, all yeah. displayed. Yes. But it was just the, the, the proudest moment was then once you see all the social media of their show, and of course it's all to the backdrop of my artwork so again i'm seeing my artwork all over social media yeah which was the same as seeing it all over tv before. of course of course how fun is that <laughs> yeah that was that was kind of like yeah well um yeah yeah that feels pretty serious now yeah you know? exactly and the great thing about that too because i worked for many years in advertising well long time advertising marketing but yeah when you actually see something that is done and come to fruition you know all the work that came behind it all the the labor and the tears and all the efforts and so forth and it looks so simple to the viewer but you know everything that came before so it's kind of like a, a race car you know once they uh, go on the track and win nobody realizes all the work that got to that point exactly the all night in the garage yeah many many nights well let's talk about cars and garages and have a little bit of fun i'd love for you to talk about your first really special car and maybe a memory you have with that vehicle or maybe it was a bike in your case um again this was hard to define just to one so i've kind of there's my favorite bike and my favorite car. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say the bike quickly. Okay. It's, it was when I got um, a Yamaha R6. Oh. And this is back in 1998, so they'd only just come out. And I only hadn't passed my test only about a year or so, and had a 400 sports bike before that. But this was proper speed. Yeah. This is the first time I've been, like, scared. <laughs> yeah. So that that um, taste of serious speed was was very special, and, oh, and that, yeah. that bike remains in my heart for that fact. But my car, which I deeply loved at the time, was my um, Audi A8. Oh, um, I do have a big love for luxury cars. Big barges waft around. That's why I like bikes for me are for speed. Cars, uh, I like to sort of just, I need the power there, but just that comfort. Quiet comfort. Yeah, definitely. But, but, but the, but the reason why, uh, and the memory particularly sort of goes back to that recession period when barely any work kind of was questioning what the hell to do again and sort of, you know, money at sort of half the time. And, the one time I'd always feel special is if I had to go out in the car. And the second I was in that car, that solid door shuts and you're sort of cocooned in leather and wood and you can waft along the road and you just <laughs> suddenly feel everything like a is kid. right. Everything is yeah, right. Yeah, you just, you know, there's, you can't hear any noise outside. And that car always delivered that every single time. And um, yeah, I love that thing. Yeah, the, well, those are wonderful cars. I I had the uh, the pleasure, uh, oh, probably six seven years ago, of being loaned a brand new Rolls Royce uh, oh, to enjoy yeah, okay. for the weekend. I'd never driven a Rolls Royce before, and I'd always kind of looked to them as these big, luxurious, austere things. I'm into sports cars, small, compact cars, and it was the same thing. I got in that thing, and 
oh my gosh. I mean, you just feel like a king. I mean, you look around in the side of this thing and you go, wow. And driving it, you just, ah, oh, just kind of floated down the road and it's power and the smells and everything. So yeah, I understand what you're talking about. They're, they're, they're a very special experience. It's, yeah. it's a whole different thing to speeding around and trying to take corners. As oh, of course. Yeah. It's a whole different, uh, different drive. That's for sure. Well, but it does, ha- as you mentioned with power, it does have to have a big engine because you need to feel that surge and you can still overtake. Don't oh, yeah. we're, not, we're not going slow, slow here. No, 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 not at all. I also got invited to spend a day at the racetrack uh, by Bentley. Uh, here at Pacific Raceway, and they had uh, their models at that time. And uh, I thought, a Bentley on a racetrack? Why would you do that? But, oh, my gosh. I mean, the power, the the brakes, the handling, I was shocked at how well that car went around that track. It was just magnificent. So then I understood, okay, now I know why people are driving these things. It's uh, very cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about remorse. I mean, there's always those cars that uh, leave our lives and we wish we had back. Is there one in particular that you wish you had back in your garage? Uh, Well, there would have been the A8. I think um, there was... I had my um, dad's Citroen CX oh, for, for a little while. Uh-huh. Um, I can't quite remember why he sort of gave it to me and hadn't sold it on to replace the next car. But anyway, I had it, and I think for a good few, maybe about six months, and I loved this thing. Again, it was just wafting around and so on. Very unique car, for sure. Well, and, and, and that is ultimately my sort of passion for those. It's just quirky madness but just <laughs> that's a nice a, way to amazing, put it amazing an amazing car amazing car yeah um but unfortunately it's once caught fire well oh. pretty much i was um i'd broken down i was coming out of london broken down in the most awkward spots on the one of the main roads west out of london um pickup truck arrived we took it off the road and as 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 he was sort of pulling it up on the rear deck of of, of the truck, and it was tilted right up, so something caught somewhere, and an electrical spark went, and it just started smoking. And all before we knew it, it was a fire under the hood. Oh no! And this thing's on an alloy body, so the guy's just, oh my god, wheel it off, wheel it off. Yeah, get it off my truck. <laughs> uh, and meanwhile, I'm just looking, going, oh. No, it can't be. I love that car. And I've only had it about six months. Yeah. And um, oh, no. it was too far gone to sort of bother repairing. Now it'd be worth a lot more because yeah. they're a lot more collectible. So that car I regret not having. I would love oh, to yeah. Nothing worse than a, a fire. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you just stand there helpless. I mean, sometimes even a fire extinguisher. So I had a, one of my very early guests is a friend of mine, Kenji Yoshino. I worked with Kenji for many years, and he is a, a person who specializes here in Seattle in Citroen parts, of, okay. of all things. Sells them worldwide, and he lost all of his cars to a house fire. Uh, just tragedy. I also, also lost his entire house. So uh, I was when you're talking about a Citroen and fire, Kenji came to mind. Poor Kenji. Uh, oh, it was just horrible. Probably a lot of people with citrons and fires. Let's talk about, uh, we'll go into something more fun here. Let's talk about <laughs> today and tomorrow. I'd love for you to talk about what has you excited right now, fired up what you're working on. And also maybe you can explain to our listeners a little more about this, this medium you work in and this vinyl graphics and so forth and how they work, what they could expect to see when they go to your website and get to experience some of your artwork. Sure. Um, well, I'll start with uh, the next um, project coming up. 
at the end of this month, actually, again is tied with Turnbull and Asser, who um, have a pop-up shop in Selfridges in London. It's obviously a pretty well-known department store. And they've invited me to show my, demonstrate my wares within the store in the height of the Christmas shopping period. So I'm going to be there all day actually creating this crash helmet I just started on. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm, uh, for the listeners, I'm looking at a very cool helmet on the uh, Skype camera here. <laughs> um, and for me, then that's just another major milestone to be, well, one, being associated and seen in a store like Selfridges, which is people pull their arms off to, to be appeared in there. Yeah. And then the exposure for me on the business side of things. Yes. The footfall in the middle of, of Selfridges and the money that walks into Selfridges. That, I really do hope, fills up my order books for nice. the next few months. Would yeah. Be, would be very nice. So that's obviously the most exciting thing, thing coming up. Yeah. But in terms of my final work and and the 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 effect vinyl has uh, as a medium first and foremost with when doing car pieces that's the 2d pieces not 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 using the body parts what makes it totally unique and what really just kind of turned me on when 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 i made them was the finish of each piece has that of the real car because so, obviously vinyl, people wrap vinyl, and it looks just like it's the paintwork. Right. So with that, together with the extra highlights and lowlights I then add to it, it really do, the, the, the pieces do come alive in the room because the light will reflect off the vinyl in, in, in different environments, and then it reacts with, the, with almost the ledges because, as you said, it's like a collage. So with all those layers building up, that creates little ledges, which again, more highlights and lowlights. So they, they, they really do sort of take on a slight life of their own, which you can't replicate with just a flat piece or even, um, obviously the prints don't kind, kind of match that. But um, that's, that's the biggest thing with vinyl when, when doing cars. Yeah. And of course, this then works equally as well when applying it to actual car parts. And this is where this surreal element comes into it, which was probably I should have mentioned in the the um, aha moment in the garden because yes. <laughs> it was sort of it, it was looking at this thing, going, "Well, it's a real piece, but it almost looks like a cartoon door." Yeah, it, re- you're, you're, it really does. Your eyes can't quite compute. So um, that's a really interesting tool to play with. The um, idea of people questioning the car piece when they're sort of stood in front of it and asking, well, what is that car and where is it? That's all to do with the reflection mm-hmm. of which I then put on top of the car. So I have one piece which is if it's a blacked out car, blacked out windows, and there's just the reflection of the Californian desert and palm trees in the sort of distance. Now that could quite innocently be parked out on the coast somewhere after coastal drive or it could be some mafia gangsters out <laughs> in the desert burying a body you know <laughs> yeah. you don't know that car could be there for all sorts of reasons sure but that's what that's why i enjoy is that people can interpret it right to their own 
whatever they think there's um it is very open yeah. to that so that's that's i think that's the thing with the final is it, it it really does sort of play tricks with your eyes of trying to work out what i've put on what is naturally occurring and then whatever of course being, being hand cut right gives it this sort of uh, it takes away the perfection edge. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's going to look too as if it's from a computer. Or and, and people do come up and speak to me when they first see it, not realizing. And I say, "Well, no, no, touch it. Look, it's yeah. it's you, you can feel all the ridges and all the layers." And like, oh wow, it's fine. And, what, and you hand cut it all. Yeah, and you know. Yeah, I think that's what makes your work so different and unique. And when uh, our listeners here go to your show notes page on the Cars yeah website and click on a link to your site and take a look at what you're doing. And I hope uh, many people get to see your artwork in real life someday because that brings that whole other dimension and so forth. Well, here's a very introspective question. It's from a fellow Brit who's been a guest here on Cars yeah, an artist, Harold Cleworth. If you were a car, Joel, what kind of car would you be and why? Now, I have uh, given this a great deal of thought. <laughs> I hope so. Because um, it's quite, it's a very difficult question, actually. Good, great question. Yeah, great it question. is. You know, Harold brought that question to me early on in the Cars yeah, uh life of interviewing people here. And um, I thought it was so unique, I decided to keep it on. So uh, if it's challenging, you can blame a fellow Brit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it turns out I, I've obviously had to choose a British car. Okay. And a car of similar vintage as me and that is the jaguar xjs oh nice now what sort of got me there's many factors of how i'd like to perceive myself or how i like to think people may see me there's a slight sophistication to it it is quintessentially british there's a slight eccentricity to it it's not a by far from a sort of standard normal design mm-hmm. of a car. Being a Jag, it's obviously, you know, it is refined and fairly um, classy, but <laughs> plenty of rough, edge, rough edges. <laughs> a little you know, temperamental always, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, very, very temperamental when they get older, mm-hmm. um, which seems to be the case with me. Uh, <laughs> for, for many of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think ultimately... In, Sad or not, I do try to stay or be cool as possible. And I think the XJS is an incredibly cool car. There you go. So, um, <laughs> nice, nice choice. I like that. I'm glad you put some thought to that. Well, Joel, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. 
Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Joel, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick, short blips of the throttle. So you ready? I am indeed. Far away. All right. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Well, it is from my father and I do it to this day. And it's quite simple. It's to always warm the engine for a few minutes before I set off. <laughs> yes. You know how many people don't do that, and it's just, it's so simple and easy, but it just it'll prolong your engine life so far. Oh, now, how about a personal I, habit? You shared earlier a personal habit of a good work ethic, but is there a personal habit you believe has really helped contribute to your success? I think my um, slight OCD-ness with detail, which obviously comes from being an art director, but yeah, yeah, I I, I get I. Yeah, I get pretty strict on myself with making sure it's as neat as possible and so on. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Now, how about a resource? There's some great resources out there today, but is there one in particular you really enjoy that you'd like to share? The um, website, this isn't self-promotion in any way, but um, uh, Petrolicious, I'm a big oh, fan yeah. of. Yeah. Who I, well, I say that before because I do write for them occasionally. Oh, cool. I have a column on... Um, iconic motorsport liveries so um kind of talking about what i really replicate in my artwork so that's that's been good fun but it's it's a really good website petrolicious it's a great i've had the founder on the show and uh several people who work for that site and do things for that site and uh, i love getting those i mean just get my cup of coffee and sit back and watch those wonderful (laughs) videos and and the sharing they have of people in their cars. Yeah, they really have done a fantastic job. Yeah, it's very good. Yes. Now, how about a book? Is there a um, a book that you've read maybe recently that you think our listeners would enjoy? There is one book which was um, which was quite – a motoring book, which was quite um, instrumental in sort of setting this whole art thing up. The black and white oil, oil paintings I first started doing, which can be seen on one of my websites mm-hmm. – most of the imagery was taken from a book, and I'm just looking at it now. Uh, motor racing history, and it is The Golden Age. Ah, okay. And it's a big book, predominantly black and white shots. I think all of it's black and white. Mm-hmm. But, yes, yeah, some of the imagery there from the early pioneers of racing, and that's crazy. That, any motorsport, any car fan would be, just be amazed at some of those shots. Who's the, uh, who's the author of that book? is John Tennant. John Tennant, T-E-N-A-N-T? Yeah, it's a great, great book. So I'd, 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 recommend, um, I'd recommend that to any, as I said, to any uh, petrol head. That's, okay, uh, awesome. Good, fantastic. 
Well, listeners, you can find all these great resources on Joel's very own show notes page at carsyad.com slash Joel Clark. And there's another great place on the website called Guest Recommended Books, where this book and all the past 641 guest books are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. All right, Joel, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, I know I said just one, but money's no object today. We're playing in the world of cars, yeah, so I'll buy you whatever you'd like. What would that vehicle be, and more importantly, why? I think, uh, I well, I eventually came up with... Um the Facel Vega. Ooh. And my reason being, obviously, it's there's the luxury side to that car. Mm-hmm. But I, I love it when you've kind of cherry-picked the best from various continents and countries. Yeah. So you've got that French chic madness again about it. You've got that American <laughs> power plant. Right. You've got some of that Italian design coming in there. But it also feels very... British in its sort of regalness. Uh-huh. So there's, it's just as if you've taken those best bits from each of those great car manufacturing countries. Nice. And produced the ultimate result. And um, those cars blow me away. I think you're one of the very few people that have chosen a Fossil Vega. And when I was a little boy, there was a guy down the street, kind of a unique guy. He was a bachelor, kind of, this was back in the 60s. He was a little bit of a hippie kind of guy, you know, and in his garage was this very weird looking car. And I used to peek in there and like, what is that thing? And one day he said, I'm going to bring it out so you can look at it. And he rolled it out and it was a silver with a red interior Fossil Vega. And I always remember that car because I just stood there and went, what is this thing? <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. And I, I lived in Southern California where there's lots of cool cars. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I uh, had never seen anything like that. And he started it up and that big Chrysler engine, rah, rah, you know, rumbling and grumbling. And uh, yeah, very cool car. Well, that's unique. And I'm glad you chose something very unique and stylish. And I love the way you describe how that brings all those facets of car design together in one place. So Joel... You've taken me on an awesome ride today. I really knew you would, and I've really enjoyed learning more <laughs> about you and your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Would you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you head off down that British road in that Fossil Vega? <laughs> um, again, it's, it's a very simple thought, which is pretty much how I started the interview. And working in business, I just applied to what I try to stick to in life and that is simply treat others how you wish to be treated <laughs> pretty uh, simple golden rule yeah <laughs> and if people don't treat me how i've treated them they'll probably lose my business and i'll find someone that yeah, does that will um, yeah it's a pretty simple easy way to go through life the golden rule do unto others she would have them do unto you i just wish more people exactly. on the planet would behave like that but um I'm glad you and I do, and uh, definitely the Cars Yow listeners out there are nodding their heads yes right now. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and see your artwork? Well, obviously, nowadays, just online, there are kind of numerous sites with different projects I keep doing. But uh, if you just Google search Joel Clark, without the E, artist, up comes my various sites. But do ignore the Egyptian artwork. There's another artist out there with a similar name. 
but I think you'll spot the difference. I think so. Absolutely. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything that Joel's been so kind to share today on his very own show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type Joel into the search bar and that page will pop right up. Joel, thanks again for being so generous today, calling in all the way from the UK. I really have enjoyed getting to know you better and sharing your artwork with the Cars Yeah listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Absolute pleasure, Mark. Thank you ever so much for wanting to interview me and feature me. Great privilege. And yeah, big hello to everyone um, across the pond. Hope you're doing okay. (laughs) I think we're all going to be just fine. So don't worry about (laughs) us. We all always seem to get through everything over here. So uh, (laughs) yeah, fantastic. (laughs) Thank you again. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.